Hello, you're listening to Hello Francis, a podcast for creatives and entrepreneurs seeking knowledge, purpose, and community. Brought to you by creative firm and solutionist agency, Francis Roy, every episode is recorded at our headquarters in Niceville, Florida. We're excited to share our lineup of guests, friends, and mentors, all willing to share with you their diverse wisdom and experience. So happy to have you with us today. Let's get started. Hello, you're listening to Hello Francis. I'm your host, Chantel Dedeke. And okay, so we are almost to our 100th episode that is launched on August the 9th. And it's very exciting. So for the last two years, we have interviewed some very interesting creative entrepreneurs. This area where we live here on the Emerald Coast and then throughout the country as well. And it's just been a really awesome run. One of my favorite things just working on the podcast as a project is it's so interesting to find that you have creative people that you click with that are in your own backyard that you've never really actually been connected to before. So even if you live in a small community and you feel like you know everyone, I guarantee you don't know everyone. And our guest today is a really great example of that. I have Greg Fisher. He's the co-founder and CEO of TripShock and a couple other projects we'll talk about today. Hey, Greg. Hey, thanks, Chantel. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. I'm very excited to have you because you and I have been, well, I've been working for you on something very interesting lately that just really sparked creative inspiration that I don't often get sometimes. And you just kind of get in a rut where you're working on these same things time and time again. And I think you have so many great ideas. I, you know, obviously we want to dive into some things, but I want to read something that I found on your LinkedIn profile that I kind of stopped a little bit that I thought that was, you know, super interesting (laughs) and relevant. So you have a recommendation on your LinkedIn profile. That is awesome. Um, Greg is an innovative entrepreneur who is always looking to exceed the expectations of his supervisors, his peers, and most importantly, his customers. He's won me over with his persistence, dedication, and vision. I would not turn down an opportunity to have him on my team again. How do you beat that? That's pretty amazing. Oh, man. I, I have to look at those recommendations. I must to get that one over. But whoever said that, I have to. Uh, I have to give them. I have to take them. I know it's like it's It's a little bit of an older one too. So it's like apparently you've been an innovative entrepreneur for a long time. How long? How long? I would say 19 years old while I was in college, and you know, Chantal, I actually have my a podcast as well, and. In one of our shows, we were talking about entrepreneurship and motivation and what drives you. And one of the thing, uh, one of the conversations that we ca- we came to was about like what drove me and, and where did it all start. One of my professors in college, when I w- I didn't do great in college, I was like a B student. So, uh, but I've always was listening, and I was just trying to understand like how the information I was getting in school could apply to some type of business or startup. And when I was leaving one of my classes, it was an event management class. And my professor stopped me and he's like, Greg, where are you in class? And I said, what do you mean? He said, where are you? Like, where is, I see you just daydreaming every single day. What are you thinking about? So I would always tell him all my ideas. And he said, I knew something was going on in there. He said, so did you get anything out of my class? And I said, yeah, I did. I swear. But, you know, at the same time, I'm always just I'm, I'm always off and thinking about something new and it's, I'm very, 
inspired by people. I'm, I'm very passionate about projects. I double down on things and that's just kind of my, my personality. Well, that I think is so interesting. And when, when people think about creative entrepreneurs or like visionaries, I think often we think of this, like, you know, a charismatic, outgoing, extroverted personality, when in reality, so many entrepreneurs are like, you're not that you're not those things, you're certainly are, but autodidactic, constantly listening, really kind of like thinking ahead and forward thinking and not so much on and pitchy all the time. And that's how you come up with really cool projects. Like, obviously, you have a successful business with Trip Shock. I know when I first moved into this area, I guess it was back in just before 2015, your company was, you know, thriving. I worked for the TC at that time. And you guys have really grown since then as well. Could you tell us a little bit about Trip, Trip Shock? I know we want to get into something else also, which is kind of exciting, but your business yeah, is successful. Sure. I mean, you're, you're a very successful entrepreneur when it comes to other things as well. So. Sure. So in 2009, we started Trip Shock and I, I did it with a local businesswoman, Donna Marler. She has a charter fleet down on the Harbor. They've been in business for about 60 years now. And we just wanted to find a way to facilitate online bookings for different tour operators in, in, the, in the Destin area. So it started off just something simple, a simple web program, which my current business partner, Alex Benko, built for the original TripShot project. And then lots of companies wanted to be part of this because online bookings uh, were not necessarily a big thing back in like 2009, 2010 era. So Fast forward four or five years, we, we tried a lot of things, a lot of things failed, but really we found that there was a market for aggregating different tours, kind of like you know Expedia, where you can go in and see all the different tour op, uh, hotel options. Well, we're trying to replicate that for activities and not to say that it wasn't done already, it just wasn't done in this area. So we took a slightly different approach, more hands-on, more organic growth, you know, being in business for almost 12 years now, we you think that we, we might be a lot bigger, but we never took institutional funding. We didn't, you know, go crazy with, you know, taking huge loans. We really grew it organically through relationships and that's what it makes. But now we have about 25 destinations across the Southeast. Some of the most notable ones are New Orleans, Key West, obviously Destin, Panama City Beach, Gulf Shores. We even go um, as far as east as Hilton Head and Myrtle Beach. And we're now, we just started got in New York City. We, we just got into Gatlinburg. So now we're just kind of covering our basis in the eastern part of the U.S. And it's been exciting. We have about 600 businesses that work with TripShock, uh, mostly tour activities, pontoon boat rentals, jet skis. So we go from a lot of different spectrums, but mostly boating and, and water sports. We've seen, I would say about 80% are in that. But yeah, I think we were just, this year is probably, probably sit somewhere around like 20 million in, in gross revenue. So it's, it's a fairly large operation, got about 60 employees. And that's kind of the, the overlay of the business. So it's done really well. It's done great. We're really excited about the growth we've had recently. That's fantastic. Well, congratulations about those new markets that you're getting into and, and the growth that you guys have experienced. That's, I think, very hopeful for the entrepreneurs that are listening, that listen to our pod very regularly. I know that we love to hear success stories and growth stories. It gives us all a little bit of hope that 
you know, you don't have to live in Silicon Valley to bring to, you know, together like a really amazing project that can grow and become something notable and successful. Mm -hmm. So congratulations. That's so cool. Okay. So let's talk about the Mahi project. I feel like I've been going over in my head, like, you know, how do we even introduce this? I'm going to let you introduce it because honestly, you do it so much better. Listeners, I feel like you're hearing the words, the Mahi Project for the first time. And so stick with us. And because I know, Greg, you're going to unpack it. And it's so worth every little piece of clothing that comes out of this luggage. So I'm super, super excited. What is the Mahi Project? So the Mahi Project is a NFT virtual gallery. And let's break down a couple things. First of all, NFT is an acronym for non-fungible token. So let's, I won't dive too deep into the whole ecosystem of NFT, but basically it's a different way of purchasing like art assets. So you go to a store and you go buy a piece of art for a hundred dollars and you own that piece of art. Well, how do you really know that you own that piece of art? Could the artist have made duplicates? I mean, it's, there is really no, no way. It's, it's hard. But with NFTs, the cool thing about it is that when you purchase an NFT, there is a system that is used to track who the rightful owner is of the art. So for artists, it does bring more trust to that ecosystem. And I thought it was kind of wild how I'm starting to see people purchase NFTs. And NFTs can be a lot of sorts of things. I mean, you like, uh, I think, I don't know if it was the founder of Twitter uh, sold the first tweet as an NFT. You actually own that first tweet. You see a really big and mostly digital art, even like sports collectibles. Like they're making, instead of like your you know physical baseball card, they're making NFT baseball cards that you can buy. And I, like I said, I thought it was really fascinating how you can actually know who the true owner is of that. Maybe someone can go and copy and paste it, put it on their website, but at the end of the day, you will know who the new owner because there's thousands of computers that have decided that this person is, they, they have tracked it. So I thought this was just a phenomenal thing. And I think crypto, which is kind of where NFTs were, were born after crypto uh, currencies, to me, I think is the most amazing thing that has happened in the last decade, how the way that we can use uh, like let's just take Ethereum for example, which is one of the the more popular ones. That you can use the the smart contract system to track everything, you know, to track different ways of of doing things as far as like knowing where fruit came from. Or it, it's so large that I I, I kind of get cut off. But not to get too off track, I think that when it comes to the NFTs and the rising cryptocurrency. How cool would it be to say, all right, all these people are transacting these, these NFTs. People are spending millions on it. Like I think, uh, Chantel, someone bought like an NFT for like $60 million. It was just some crazy 8-bit. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. What are they doing with them? So are they just sticking them in a file folder and waiting until, you know, 10 years where maybe they go up in value? Like when you buy a Van Gogh, you're not going to stick it in your closet. You're going to partner with the museum and you're gonna show it off. 
So I love on my Twitter feed, it's all NFTs. I follow a bunch of different artists. I love to see all the different digital art. I think it's the coolest thing. If you're from Northwest Florida, there's a really popular event called Digital Graffiti. And and, and I think they do it at Alice Beach or Rose, is it Alice Beach? I think it's, yeah, I think yes, it's Alice, Alice Beach. Yeah, they do digital projections on homes of digital art. Like that's where I first started to, to really see the, the potential in this. So I decided to create my own cryptocurrency. It's, a, it's an Ethereum-based token, and it's live. It's the uh, it's called Mahi is the is the token, and I thought, wouldn't it be cool to take the Mahi token that we created, use it as a form of currency to purchase art or NFTs, put it in a gallery, and share that with with folks. And actually charge people to go to a virtual gallery. Now, I know it sounds crazy to go to a website and pay to see digital art. It sounds insane. But at the same time, we spend how much money on digital entertainment? You know, $13 on a movie. And I mean, we I buy them all the time. I got kids and, and they're most of these movies are awful, but we spend so much money in entertainment. What if we put all this art together and show it for folks that really do love love this? And that's where I that's where kind of like the Mahi project came about is I think that it'd be really cool to curate great pieces of art NFTs, put it in a virtual gallery so people can come and enjoy it. And also do things like digital graffiti where we can have physical installations in different cities. So the cryptocurrency is is a way to bind it all together by using this as a form of to bring artists in. Chantal, there's a lot to unpack on this project. There's a lot. I just, I think this is probably the most quiet I've been on this pod. It's a lot. It's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a lot. And I guess just to bring it back on top is that it's a, it's a virtual gallery for NFTs. Like that's where we're kind of going to bring it to the top. We can get in the weeds on all the other stuff. And the Mahi token is a way for us to drive great artists to the project and and compensate them for, for their efforts and bring them into it. And also anyone can, can invest in the project. So the Mahi token is available on the Uniswap exchange. You can buy the token, you can support the project as the value of the token increases it allows us to improve the gallery and that's kind of a nutshell of like why we decided instead of just you know using another current cryptocurrency why do we use our own token as well we want to have a way to build the ecosystem without having you know as we use a different token like you know maybe let's use ethereum well we can't control ethereum as much as we can control our own cryptocurrency we don't want it to be manipulated because if these artists are getting compensated with our token we don't want you know people coming in there and trying to destroy the you know the currency and the economics so well there's a few things that really drew me into this project because i will say that i love this partnership and i love you know having the opportunity to support mahi and the project and the and just really maybe even potentially helping with curation at some point, like the whole concept is really great. You know, working with a lot of creatives, something that we hear often is that their work is stolen. So this, 
you know, anybody can, you know, cut and paste and utilize and repurpose and all of that. So having at least some sort of effort to ensure that digital creativity is protected, I think is very noble. It certainly is forward thinking and it's a move in the right direction. In terms of like purchasing I think that there is so much to be excited about in terms of being able to own digital art. I mean, if you think about it, you if you're a brand and you're buying stock photography, it's digital art. Like, why wouldn't you want something that's, you know, unique, that's custom created, that is appealing to you? You could totally own it. Like, it's not that far of a new concept in terms of like, do we feel secure in purchasing, you know, an NFT? I absolutely do. I think it's a brilliant. And then I love the way that your idea is bringing it together in this totally new concept of curating it and making it online, like a digital art space. And it also creates this whole other platform for artists to be able to exhibit and obtain exposure that is not confined to a geographic location. It's so brilliant. It's just beyond, in my opinion. It's just the kind of thing that it's like you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, oh, I'm so excited about this. I can't wait to, you know, uh, work on it and read a little bit. Yeah. A lot of times when I'm explaining it to people, I have to explain it in six to seven different ways because it is a very progressive concept. So I'm always way better when I break it up in, in chunks. Like, what what is you know what's the top level okay it's an nft virtual gallery and then i and then i go go through it you know why why is there a mahi token why can't you just use bitcoin for example and so it's a lot but really we have our website mahitoken.org that breaks out Mm -hmm. all the specifics of the program but really we want to create something cool and and in the week there's a reason why we call it mahi because it is ocean themed so this is not just going to be any nfts I think the coolest NFTs are ones of ocean landscapes and ocean conservation or ocean wildlife, I should say. And, you know, to me, I think that by getting, bringing the art, just bringing, also bringing awareness because part of it, we have a fixed supply of tokens. So this is not something like Dogecoin where every, I think every minute, 10,000 tokens are created or, or there's a, there's a max supply of tokens. So there's 10 million Mahi tokens. One 10% of those tokens are going to be kept and they're going to be donated to different ocean conservation agencies. They could be local, they could be regional, they could be international, but part of it is to bring awareness. And and some of the pieces that we are going to curate, we have some specifics that we're going to be looking for. And I mean, we don't want to see the ugly side of humanity, but at the same time, we want to bring attention to our oceans. And it's nothing better. Like when I, when I go out on the water with my kids and they see dolphins and I try to explain to them why we're so fortunate to still have them because there are organizations and people that care and explain to them, they grow up and then they share that with their, their kids. And they realize that, you know, don't throw trash in. And I think we don't do enough of that. And we really don't. And so maybe this project can help educate people and bring awareness. So at the end of the day, I hope that we get a lot of good artists. We give a lot of these tokens away, help a lot of people. And I hope to have almost no tokens in my name. And that's like some, some community managers and some projects, you know, they, they're looking at to make this 
a big opportunity to make a lot of money. I think a lot of crypto founders now are realizing that they don't want to own any tokens. They they want to let the community decide where this project goes and what they want to do. And that's that's kind of leads us into the curation side of the project, which as Chantel might have said in the beginning, I'm not this is not like a corporation that we're starting. It's a project. It's a group of folks and some of them are paid, some of them are not paid to come up with all of these different parameters and decide what we want this project to be. So the first thing was that we decided on was how do we want to curate the art? You know, where do we where do we want to go with it? So we are taking all of this we're, we're going to be requesting submissions based on certain certain parameters. And then we have a group that's going to be looking at the art and seeing how well they fit. And I don't have the parameters right in front of me, Chantel, but maybe I should have had them. No, not at all. I don't, I don't think so. Uh, I think yeah. If you're a digital artist and you're interested, right? I mean, I, I think yeah. you, and you want to create something unique and custom and submit you should do that. Like, don't be swayed by the parameters. I, I think it's probably good that you didn't break. Yeah. 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 And they're they're not, they're not really stringent. They're just looking for originality, creativity and things like that. But we have a group that will decide on the, we're going to, for the first, the first part of this project, we're going to choose 20 pieces and in exchange, each piece, each artist will receive 50,000 tokens. And we actually plan out of the 10 million supply, we plan at least 30% of that supply is allotted just for art, which is kind of cool. Like actually the 50% of the tokens is is reserved solely for art and conservation. Like we know they won't be available for trading. So the other 50% is available for folks to trade and we want other people to be part of the project. If let's say they're an artist that you follow and you want to support them and support the project, you can purchase and invest in it. And, and again, like we, we want to make it, we want to give folks a reason to like invest in this asset. Like, you know, you can go and buy art as an investment and this seems similar, you know, you can buy it and you can sell it. We're not, we're not saying that this, you have to hold on to it and never sell it, but it's an alternative way to invest in something because yeah you can invest in art and do that like that's like their main way of for their for their savings but this is an alternative way and it helps you know young local artists or people that maybe one day it could be something where more established artists want to be involved that's really fantastic so if you are a digital artist or I, I love the these people like this community. You have such a unique community. I think it's the perfect example of totally this debunking this idea that there are no original ideas, obviously left. We hear that all the time. That's obviously not true, obviously. And then also you and your space where you have knowledge about tourism and destination marketing and then, but also you care about water sports and then you're interested in crypto and you're taking those things that you really love and you're building a community of artists and people who care about marine life and crypto traders and holy shit. Now you have a new idea. That's pretty cool. And, and 
very motivating and inspiring from those of us who are entrepreneurs and really trying to wonder where's the next new idea coming from. Sometimes it's right. It's all with the things that you care about. And it doesn't have to be something for everyone to be really innovative and forward thinking and to potentially even change the world a little bit, which is cool. So if I'm a digital artist or I just want to learn more how, what What is your advice for that? Where can I go to learn more about the Mahi Project? So we have a submission form on mahitoken.org and you can go, you go to artist and then it lays out all of the specifications and what kind of what to expect of it. We are purchasing original artwork. And the best thing about it is we're looking somewhat more of a partnership. We are going to give attribution. It's not like we're going to take the art and you know, use it for our, our own benefit. You know, this is about supporting conservation and supporting uh, artists that in, in the ocean, you know, that are ocean artists or artists that, that do that type of, those type of pieces. So in the virtual gallery or any physical installation, uh, we will have an artist profile. So people that want to learn or follow or get more information, they can. And we're not limiting this to just digital animation or digital art photographers videographers that have like you know a clip like an amazing clip that they took of their, like on, on the ocean or or our landscape so it, it's it, let's not let's think outside the box it, it's not just that you know one or two things that we're looking for but uh once the submission happens we will make a decision hopefully in october and decide on those first 20 that we'd like to include in the collection and then once the collection is announced, we will have the gallery up and we will allow access uh, to everybody to, to view the gallery. And web design and web marketing is my forte. I love it. And, you know, that's, that's the great thing about this project is once it's done, that's where I'm going to get really excited because it's something that we can promote. And we have tons of travelers that come to these coastal markets that we can introduce them to this gallery. So there's a lot of interesting things. And we talked in the the beginning of the show about the physical installation of actually finding places that we could do parties like the digital graffiti, similar to that, where we can do projections and that. So, I mean, I I have so many ideas for what to do, but finding the, the best are finding the best NFTs is the first is the first step. We we need we need to, to find the right artist. Well, that's fantastic. I hope that everybody listening is intrigued and a little inspired to learn more. We are we're definitely going to share links to the website, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter links as well for Mahi Project so that you guys can just find out a little bit more. If you want to know about Greg or you have any questions for Greg, you can email them to us hello at francisfory.com and we'll. We'll not answer them, obviously, because we won't know. Like, right, we'll have to know. But uh, we'll pass those along and see if we can get to For sure, I am so glad that you took this time, Greg, to really unpack all of this because it's so informative. It's so educational. It's so forward-thinking. And for the people, the million times I have heard people say in this area, like, we don't have enough culture. We don't have enough something to do. Like, you know, you, those people, this is kind of the moment that you've been waiting for to get behind something that will really create something new, a, a cultural attraction that is, that, that can live, you know, in the digital space, but also have like a living and breathing presence here where we live. 
Awesome. Yeah, I agree 100%. I hope that when when people finish listening that they realize that cryptocurrency is not as scary as you might read on the news. I think that people get cut off in, you know, cuz cryptocurrency actually started from like the Silk Road and and there is some shady things and hackers use it, but there is so much good that it can do. I mean, look at in third world countries, it allows people to bank without having, you know, using using a you know government-backed financial institution. There's so many things that cryptocurrency can do for our world. And I honestly like there's and I love the different ways that people are applying it in everyday life. And the fact that artists now have a, a way to protect their work officially and even not just artists but musicians and entrepreneurs creators engineers there's just so many different uses with it so i'm really excited about you know using it in this form and and seeing where it goes because it is you know it's not it's a new very new concept i mean i look internationally and i I rarely saw anyone doing uh, this idea so well thank you for educating us and for sharing a little bit of space in your brain that is obviously you're coming up with some really great ideas. So I really appreciate the time that you spent with us. So thank you. Great. Thanks, Shanta. Appreciate it. You're welcome. If you have questions for Greg, email them to us. Hello at francisroy.com. I know y'all have questions because I still have questions after this interview that I'll be asking Greg as soon as we hit stop. So, or if you want to learn more, again, we'll say it one more time, mahitoken.org, but we'll link everything through so that you guys can find all the information that you're looking for. So next Monday, we will have a new guest, a new topic, something amazing. Thank you all for always engaging with us. We'll talk to you soon. 